The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. You may be seated. Please. A round of applause to God for these wonderful people. They are the best choir in the world. As I was telling, um, I was saying in the first service, I said that if you want to understand orderliness and how things are done, just watch the choir. When the try video comes up and they make that sound, dim, the choir gets up. You know, they're, I mean, ever accurate. So, yeah, we can give them a round of applause. It's a privilege to be here this morning, and thanks to Pastor for the trust and um, to, for me to represent him through God this morning, to represent God through him this morning, and um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Um, generally, you, you, you hear that there are a lot of behind the scenes when you are doing anything, and um, every human on the surface of the earth at any point in time in their life, any human being, have something that is paramount on their mind at any point in time. There's no one. There's always something that is paramount. There's always something that is, that's all they focus on. That's all they worry about or that's they pray about or that's what they are doing. One thing, always take the lead. And generally, when you are sent this kind of assignment for that week or whenever you find out, that's what take the lead. And I'll ask you a question this morning. How long do you think a man can sleep for without waking up? A human being, you know, at a stretch. Four hours, six hours, eight hours, ten hours, or five days. You know, somebody will sleep. They are not dead, but they will sleep for five days. Well, I'm going to tell you a story, a short story of one of a member of my family. I'm not going to tell you her name. Um, it's a senior member of my family, immediate family. She has taken service here before on Sundays. I'm not telling you anybody's name. It's left for you to figure it out. Typically, you will be praying and worshiping and fasting. And that's all you do because, you, you know, you want, to, you want to hear God and you want to go through God. And when she was taking one of those services, that's what she was doing. She was praying, fasting, worshiping. And so on, I think it was on Tuesday night, and she slept about 3 a.m. Wednesday morning. And by 7, she got up. She wanted to pray and worship and fast again. You know, not, I mean, fasting, nothing. So she started praying at about 7, and I think by 8.30, thereabout, she, 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 she slept off. Because you haven't slept for throughout the night, and you're doing it again. And I think it took an hour, an hour and a half, or much later. She woke up where she was kneeling. And she said, yes, I know it. God, devil is a liar. I've missed service already. I've missed the first service. I've missed. So she believed that she slept on Wednesday, and she woke up on Sunday at 9.30. So it's five days, right? Because that's what is paramount on her mind, is coming here. So the same thing with me for the past, uh, since I knew I was coming here, um, not only because pastor was um, had taken the first one taking the second one and he's coming not only am I trying to represent him now feeling a big shoes having you know nailed the first two of no small dream so I told him that it's a setup but God of heaven will help us in the name of Jesus so this morning I want to encourage you as you heard um, um, in the in the uh, 100 seconds there's power in this place. God is with us, absolutely. There's no doubt. But what you get or what you receive is a function of how much attention you pay 
and how much work you do when we're doing the things of God. Tomorrow, fasting is going to start. Make sure you partake in the fasting, in the prayer. Just, make, just be present and do it. And heaven will meet you at the point of your need in the name of Jesus. The limit is never with God, but limit is with us. I want to start by sharing a testimony this morning. During the February, we do it a God will do it again service. Prior to that, exactly 2013, June, God will do it again was about was in February, so almost six years. I was in a five-star hotel and I fell through the bathroom glass. You know, when you fall through a glass, it's not very pleasant. I fell through a glass and I had all kind of cuts. They called an ambulance and they took me to the clinic. By the grace of God, not too much damages were done, but I had a scar right behind my hair. Right? You can't see it anymore. I had a scar um, that, that, that healed, but didn't heal properly. That was 2013. And since then, I've, I had, during that period, I had issues with my eyes, so I had to do MRI a couple of times. So, and I did MRI in a lot of places. I was living in Indonesia, Jakarta at that time as an expatriate. I did MRI there. I did MRI in London. When I came back to Nigeria, I had to go sort my eyes out. I did MRI in London. I did MRI in the United States. And I had done in Nigeria as well. So several times. And nothing was found. This thing was there. I mean, the, the, the injury was just there. So it was, it was as if it was just an ordinary injury. So in February, during the Gold Duty Against Service, um, I was talking to Adasa just before, the, 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 during the week. And she said, Pastor Gine, you had a wound. I said, yes, I have, but it's healed. He said, well, but you didn't heal properly. I said, okay, take a picture. So he took my phone and took a picture for me. And then whenever I go for walk, you know, in the office, during lunch, I always walk around. Spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes walking. My friends would be bothering me and saying that, you know, you need to go sort this thing out. You need to go to the, uh, the hospital. And my wife was on my neck. You know, you need to go to the hospital. You need to go and see a doctor. But to me, I felt that, you know, Little, little things like that. Why should I say, okay, I have a wound and it's, it's not healed properly or something? So I just left it. Now, after the God read again, Pastor is always very magnanimous that the following Sunday, after the God read again Sunday, people that didn't meet church for some reason or other on GWIA, he will ask a few of us to anoint them. And I was privileged to be one of those people that did the anointing. So when we finished, and it was becoming embarrassing because a lot of people were asking me the questions about this wound at that time. So I just took the anointing and I said, okay, well, you know, and I, and I anointed it. And I said, well, okay, you, you got to heal now and, and, and let me be. Because it didn't even occur to me on God's day again. I didn't do it. And that's the wound. That's, that's, that's what it looked like at that time. Healed, but he healed properly for six years. And guess what? The following Saturday, I was lying down on my bed and I felt something dropped from me, fell. I wasn't sleeping. I was lying across. I was tired. You know, I'd done my exercise. And guess what came out? A glass. Same way you can show it. That's the glass that came out. The one at the top. I put this pin here. You can clap for God. I put the pin beside it. The pin you used to put something on the wall so that you can see how big what I was scanning for six and a half years. Almost six years. How big it was. All I did was just took the anointing oil by myself and I put it on it. So there's power in the house. So I encourage you. Yes, hallelujah. So that's the, deliver, that's the deliverance I had. So I encourage you that, you know, the year is coming to an end. There's no better way to, to, to pray and get ready into the, into the following year. So to uh, No Small Dream, part three. Tell your neighbors, No Small Dreams.
pastor on the on um, on, on no small dream one. Anyway, by the way, if you are not here, go listen to the messages one and two. And even if you were, I will encourage you to listen to it over and over again. But you know, in paraphrasing high level summary, um, the first thing he talked about on part one was deflators. You know, what are dream deflators? And he mentioned family, friends, fatigue, fear, and failure. And prior to that, he said that two things about dream. It costs nothing. Anybody can dream. And also, everything you see today was impossible before. Somebody dreamt about it, but it was impossible, and it came to pass. That was how he did part one. And to be honest with you, I had a lot, I've gotten a lot of messages, or I'll talk to people, I'll ask them, and, and the one they've, they've, they've acted on the most is the one on fatigue. When the pastor says that Elijah was told to eat, sleep, wake up, eat, sleep. So a lot of people are practicing that, but I encourage you, practice the rest as well, okay? Not only that one. And then, then on, on, in part two, I was saying that, how do you build your dreams? So you talk about getting wisdom, stretch your imagination, build your own team, and set your goals, and ultimately commit it to God. And he went for that to say that um, when, when your big dreams come to pass, um, it glorifies God, most, I mean, foremost, most and foremost, but also it inspires people. So, I mean, those are just high-level summary of one and two of No Small Dream. So this morning, we're going to be talking about executing your dreams. How do you execute your dreams? You know, because you can make a plan, you can do all that, but how to execute the dreams, your, your, your No Small Dreams, how do you execute it? Generally, when you look at life, I'll give an example. I used to, I mean, well, I still apply engineering principles, but right now I provide, it, provide leadership for technical operation execution. You know, as we, as, uh, people execute the work that I look after. So here's the deal. But engineers, so we have two sections. You have the engineering, people that do, they do the planning. So all they do is they come, they sit down at their own time. They come to work at 7.30 in the morning, Mostly they are there till 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Sometimes they are there till 8 p.m., but there's no urgency. They take their time. They plan it. So that's like dreaming, and that's like you're sleeping. Because if you look at it literally, to dream, you have to do what? You have to sleep. So, you are, so you are, you are, sleeping means that you are, you, know, you are resting. You are doing it leisurely. So planning your dreams and doing all that is, is leisure and you do it, no, no urgency. But the folks that execute the dream, because it's important, the execution itself is when the results comes out. So in executing the dreams, the folks that I look after that execute the dreams, they work seven days a week, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and nonstop. And how do we do that? What we do is that we have 120 people at the location, 70 will work during the day, and 50 will work at night. And they work like that for one month. And then we take away those 120 people and then we bring another 120 people because executing and getting going is important. We've done all the planning. Yeah, this one will be here, this one will be here. It's like construction work. When you see an architect, he goes to his office at 8 a.m. in the morning, he sits down, he draws the plan, he takes his time. No hurry. But when the roads are being constructed or the building are being constructed, it's not uncommon to see that the construction is done 24 hours, even at night. Why is that? Because the speed and the timely execution is very important. 
when you execute and you, you bring it forward, that's when you get results. Planning does not give you results. Planning is only planning. But when you actually do the work and bring it out, that's when you get value for it. If you draw, if an architect draw a house for you, if he draws a house and draws a plan, and you take the plan, can you live inside the plan? No. But once the plan is done and everything is ready, the earlier you build the house and bring it off, the earlier people begin to get value and begin to get um, results for it. So that is why execution is, planning is extremely important, but execution is equally or even the most important. There are a lot of dreams in the world that people that have dreamt about stuff but never come to pass because of what is never executed. That's why you find out that a lot of business will do, they will do feasibility studies, but they say that five out of, four out of every five businesses, they all, um, they, they, all, they, don't, they don't all come to pass. They fail because execution is extremely, extremely difficult. Now, this morning, CMM, okay, you're back. I want to show you a video before we continue on about stretching your imagination and, and leading to execution. Let's bring up the car race video, CMM. 1950. But Holland comes in for a pit stop. Time to refuel and change tires. Lou Moore himself changes the tires. Only four crew members, including the driver, are allowed to work on the car. It's a tense time. Holland stays in his seat, anxious to get away. Let's watch. The tires are changed at last. A crewman polishes the windshield as Holland moves away just 67 seconds after he stopped. 67 seconds. So 60 years later, or 63 years later. So, some people dreamt and they stretched their imagination 67 seconds. Someone who follows car races, this, was, this probably took about almost two seconds, you know, um, at that time, 2013. But somebody was telling me after the service that now it takes just about one second, just a little bit over one second. That's, people dreamt, they stretched their imagination, and that comes to pass. So, the same way God has given us the, the, the ability to be able to think and stretch our imagination and it comes to pass. So this morning, you're going to tell your neighbor, the first thing about executing your dream is, because dreaming is like in the state of sleep. So for you to, to, to actually go execute the dream, what do you have to do? You have to wake up. So tell your dream, you tell your neighbors, wake up, action time. Wake up, action time. So it's time to wake up. You have to get up now and begin to do what you have dreamt that you want to do. Ephesians 5.14, if you can bring it up, thank you. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So it's time to get up and actually go do the work. What you have dreamt about that you want to do, you need to get up and go do it. It's enough to plan and plan and plan. Pastor says that he would rather deal with doers than thinkers. 
because thinkers would think they will analyze that analysis will become paralysis. You know, they'll be there, they'll take, take it to the left, take it to the right. But you got to get up and actually go do something about what you've been dreaming. Now you want to become a professor. Go start an education. Get the high school education first. You want to become this. Go. So you need to, you need to, you need to get up and go and do something. If it's, I think it's um, Proverbs 20.13 talks about if you love sleep, you will end up in poverty. We will not learn poverty in the name of Jesus. Keep your eyes open and there will be plenty to eat. Meaning that you get to get up from your dreaming state. You know, both in the physical and even in the, in, 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 in the spiritual. You need to get up and begin to do something. You know, something is very, you know, what is popular is that we all pray this prayer. And we will lend to nations. We will not borrow and all that. Deuteronomy 28, 12 to Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless, will do what? Will bless the work of your hands. Will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow. Okay, here's the deal. So, there's a condition to lending to nations. What's the condition? God will bless what? The work of our hands. So, we got to get up and go do it. Without doing it, no, I mean, it's not going to happen. So dreaming and planning and thinking about it and postponing and procrastinating would not lead us anywhere. We get to stand up and say, it is time to go do the work. Tell your neighbor, is it time to execute your dream? Get up. Proverbs 10.5, Proverbs 10.5, a wise youth harvest in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. Meaning that when the time is come to actually go to work, we get to go do it. We can, I mean, if, if you don't do it, you don't get results. You get to do it. Isaiah 52, verse 1, if you have that as well. Wake up, wake up, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem. For cleanse goodness, people will, will no longer end with, we enter your gates no longer. So the only way to prevent any, your dreams going dead is getting up to go do it. So the first thing we're going to do is to do what? Wake, wake up and do what? An action time. Tell your neighbor, action time. A gentleman who is the French philosopher in the 18th century said that the best way to make your dreams happen is to wake up and go do it. If you can, he said, Paul Valery, you can Google his name. The best way to make your dreams come true is to wake up and go do the dream. No other way. Just get up and go do the thing. Anything that you are planning, that you wish, that you hope, that just get up and take action and begin to do it. After all the planning, staying in the place of planning will not, you know, won't take us anywhere. The second thing we're going to look at this morning is when you want to execute, actually you want to do the work now, there has to be orderliness. One of the greatest inventions, one of the greatest things ever built that will ever be built is the creation of heaven and earth. So there's no other way, place to learn on how to do, how to create or how to build on orderliness. So the second thing is orderliness. I think it's First Corinthians 14 verse 40. Yeah, First Corinthians 14 verse 40. But everything should be done in a fitting and what orderly way. How many things? Everything. So there has to be order. In, when you want to execute your dream, there has to be order. In what order, in what shape you're going to do it. As I said, one of the, the biggest inventions, the biggest creation ever 
is the creator of heaven and earth and the galaxies that, su- that surrounded it. I've been privileged to sit in an audience of a supersonic jet pa- uh, fighter pilot. Those are the people that they, 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 they hover around, around the earth and they see the earth in a small, tiny, I mean, it's like, when you look, if, I, if, if I put a coin down there and I look at that coin, smaller than that, that's the way they see the earth, where they go. And they're and they just full of awe. I've sat in the presence of one of those people and when he describes what he sees, you'll be wondering, this earth is rotating, it's moving, but you are not moving. That's a perfection creation, a perfect creation. It's moving, but you are not moving. And who creates, who creates the heaven and who created heaven and earth? God. And he told us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 30, how creation was done. The Bible says that God created the earth, and the earth was without form. Now, listen, folks, when you read the Bible, put context to it. Why is he explained this way? We need to put context to it. Because the reason is that God is all-knowing, all-powerful. He could have just said, okay, art, come in this form, everything in place. No. But he explained and he did it so that we would learn on how to be like him and when we're creating or we're executing our dream on how to do it. So the Bible says that the earth was created, um, verse 1, uh, Genesis, the, um, the Lord created the earth, the earth was that form. The spirit of the Lord was hovering around the earth. Now listen, even without the light, before the God created the heart, his spirit was hovering around the earth. Meaning that God is light himself. So he was moving around. But he did that creation so that we could understand if we want to do work on how to do work. So the first thing he did was, he said, let there be light, there was light. He separated day and night, right? He separated day and night. He separated the waters and the land from each other. Then he, the, the fruit, the, the, the vegetables, they came forth. Then the fishes, they came forth. Then after that, the animals, the animals came forth. And he did all that. And after all that is done, you know what he did? He now said, let's create man in our own image. And the Bible says that he created them male and female. He created them, right? That's what the Bible says. But the man, the male one, the man, came forth. Now, look at that order. Imagine if the man was already there before he brought forth fruits, vegetables, and all that. No, but he did all that, and I brought the man, and he told the man to eat all the vegetables, to toil the garden. Is that correct? So you can see a perfect order of creation. So when you want to execute your dream, there has to be order, and it has to be perfect. Unfortunately, this modern day is unfortunate. People are inverting the order of God. I'm telling you this morning, if a man comes after any single person here and says, I want to marry you, and he doesn't have a house that is going to take you to, and he doesn't have a job to feed you, don't follow him. Don't follow him. That's not the order of God. Bless God. That's not the order of God. See, God created man, and he gave him a job. He gave him things to, to eat, and then um, he put him in a garden. So he located a garden before he gave him a wife. So before a man goes after any woman, locate your garden first. That's the order of life. Locate your garden. Let me explain something. I'm not being, you know, I know that people will say, well, um, because maybe he, he has a job, he's successful. I'll explain something to you. Most times he ends up in disaster. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a very good friend of mine, a senior person, a, 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 a lady, and, he, and, and she was telling me that, you know, she was telling me about a couple that, something she was dealing with somewhere in Lagos and that the woman lent money to her husband and she was collecting interest 
And right there and then, I knelt down and I said, Father, I thank you because I won't be borrowing. It's against the order of God. Totally against the order. So, there's, there's, when you're, so it's just about, the best execution and, I mean, how to execute is in the order of creation that God created. That's the best way. I was sharing my experience during the first, during the first service. And I, I, I just, I run, I run through it in a high level. When I met my wife, I just finished university in 1994. I was packing my things out of Uniben, coming back to Lagos with my brother-in-law, who is my friend, very good friend of mine. And I went to their house. And, I mean, at that time, which it should be the same thing now, you know, high level of spirituality because I was in CU. There's a lot of things I was doing. So I said, so I went to their house. It's like, oh, this is your wife. I said, okay, that's fine. And I, I didn't see anything. And I told my brother, and I said, I'm going to marry your sister. And we left it like that. March 2000, 1994, March. I didn't even get a place to do my youth service, national youth service, compulsory service after school for another six months. People have gone to service and I, and I didn't like what I got. So I had a particular place in mind, which I didn't get. I went to service in October. Six months later, folks were already serving. And now, so I served by March, we're done, April. The place I served, which I really wanted to work, they gave me a contract job. And even after that, I felt I have not found my garden. I, didn't, I never went back to my wife's house to go talk about it. Never. During that period. Because I was still looking for my garden. I need to find my garden and my toil. That's the order. Guess what? So, when the, the company gave me a contract job for about four or five months, and I left. And I went to work for the biggest multinational service company to that industry at that time. And within one month after I started work, they said, go get your international passport. You're going to be traveling a lot. So I said, okay, I found my garden, and it's the big one indeed. God has put me in it. I need to go find a wife. You know what I did? I could do the passport in Lagos. My wife was in UI at that time as a student. And my mother-in-law was in Ibadan, working in civil service as director general. So I went to Ibadan. She was my, my, my friend's mother, right? I said, Mommy, you need to help me. I need to do my passport. I would like to do Ibadan. She said, I should come. In fact, I traveled with her to Ibadan. She comes on weekends, and we went together. When we finished the passport... I had a job. She knew I had a job. My brother-in-law knew I had a job. And they knew the kind of job I got. When I finished my passport, my brother-in-law had MSc from, from Birmingham. So she's not an illiterate. Well-learned, well-read. I mean, she, she had a good job, great woman. So it's not an illiterate that you are trying to bamboo. So, but I had the audacity and the capacity to tell her that I want to go to lunch with your 20-year-old. I want to do your driver Please, I want to go to lunch with, with your 20-year-old. Because I had found my garden, and I know that I'm toiling, and I can provide. That, that was the first time I went back. Yeah, we can clap for God after one year. So there's order in execution. Orderliness is a great thing. There's a big order when, 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 if you want to execute your dream. The other thing is about executing your dream is the fact that there's timeliness. There has to be time. In orderliness. The reason the Bible was explaining, because God didn't have to do that. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit that they wrote the Bible, they didn't have to put that. That day one, he created this. Day two, he did this. Day three, he did that. So there's timing in orderliness. One of the most abused things that on the surface of the earth is our time. We don't, human beings don't value their time. Tell your neighbor, your time is more valuable than your money. We don't, we don't value our time. Pastor had shared, and I found out. If you look at the, the people, the great people of this world, 
the owner of Facebook that all of us go and sit down and spend hours. And, and Steve Jobs during his, 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 his days. Do you know those guys? They just wear the same type of T-shirt and jeans day in, day out. Do you know why? They don't want to spend their time thinking of what they want to wear. I didn't even know that until recent time when Pastor shared it. I had a boss 20 years ago, an extremely talented guy who was very hardworking. Six o'clock, he was already in the office. Smart chap, a Caucasian. He was the one that hired me. He was wearing white shirt, black trousers, day in, day out. I now found out the reason he was doing that was because he didn't want to spend time thinking about what he wants to wear. So your time is so, so valuable. It's much, much more important. So in, in, in orderliness, there has to be time. There are things that you have to do now, next time. I mean, there has to be. Time is a great deal. Let me explain something to you. I came across, during the preparation for this thing, I came across something that shocked me that this morning, I was telling Debbie, we sat down together, we punched calculators together. Let me give you a scenario. If I give you 613,000 naira, you are 10 years old or you are 15 years old, I give you 613,000 naira. If you're in the U.S., 610,000 U.S., Canadian, 610,000 Canadian, Iran, South Africa. And you're 15. At 15, you're matured enough. And I tell you that you can spend 24 naira every day. But you can't spend more than 24. But you can spend less. Now, if you spend less, whatever is left of that 24 will be taken away. It's lost. You can't regain it back. You can't keep it. How are you going to spend the money? You'll be, you, I mean, I'm sure you, you want to spend that 24 and spend it judiciously. Please, bring up my, my um, look at this page. 70 times 365. That, assuming the Bible says three scores and 10, right? How long are we going to live? That's what it says. Anything after 70 is an extra. Is that correct? So let's assume 70. 70 times 365 is what? 25,000. Okay? 25,000 days times 24 hours is how much? 613,000 hours. That's the average lifespan of a human being if they live up to 70. Now, guess what? 613,000 hours. Meanwhile, you're going to stay with Sister Folake. You're going to be gisting for two hours. You wasted two hours out of 613. Just 613. That's what we have. You have a thousand people. You can take it away. You have a thousand people on your WhatsApp and you're checking their status. Oh, what's this one doing? What's this one? What's it doing? Brethren, our time is so, so valuable for all that To execute your dream, you, your time is so, so important. But we don't put a value to it. Yeah, we can clap for God. We don't put a value to our time. You know how long people spend on WhatsApp? I don't have any problem going to Instagram and all that. If you're going to worship or we're, I mean, we're using it on Monday morning and all that. I don't have an issue with it. WhatsApp, we use in the ministers to communicate. I have no issue. But when you get 20 videos a day and you watch 10 of them and 10 minutes video and you watch 10 of them, it's a waste of time. Anything that is free has no value most times. WhatsApp is free, adds little or no value. The people that created WhatsApp, they don't use it as much as Africa. In fact, I feel that most of these things were thrown to Africa for them to be set backwards. Because I work with a lot of Caucasians in other parts of the world, they don't have WhatsApp groups. No WhatsApp groups in North America. In North America, all the no WhatsApp groups. The worst is, if something is, and that's what I do, if something is important, send me an SMS, not WhatsApp, if it's important. I only take WhatsApp from very few people, extremely few people. Because anything that is cheap, that you can get for free, will add no value. So what did I, how did I get here? Our time is so important and crucial for execution 
and orderliness is, is so important. Another thing under orderliness, another thing, another big, big great thing is, you know, the pastor says you are the general of your life all the time. And he was talking about you form a team to execute your dreams. You need to, you need to form a team. Why there are people in that team that are probably senior to you, they are leaders, they are, they are more senior to you, they are your leaders. The thing is that those people, you are the one that will provide leadership for them. So, you need to recognize capacities. The people in your team, you need to recognize their capacity. Let me explain. In Exodus 14, it's, it's, I don't, I, I, there's no point in reading it. When the, the children of Israel were fighting the Amalekites, Moses was the leader of the team. He understood the capacity of individual. Joshua was a great warrior, so Joshua was doing the fighting. Aaron was the spiritual man. He was doing the spiritual work. So you need to recognize your team. You need to know your team and understand their capacity. Because, I mean, you cannot execute a dream alone. Any dream that is beyond you cannot be executed alone. You have to have a team. But you need to understand their capacity so that you fit round pegs in round holes. So that's under orderliness. There has to be order and there has to be time. We can look at Colossians 4.15. I want to talk about, just a little bit about time. Colossians 4.15. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, are without redeeming the time. If you go and check the meaning of redeem, it means conserve, save, put into good use. That's what it means. Put into good use. Redeeming the time. Because in this part, I mean, generally, we don't value our time at all. We, we just think, you know, people don't... They, they, I mean, they'll sit down and talk for two hours. That doesn't make sense. Ephesians 5, 16 says the same thing. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Conserve the time. So to execute your dream, time is paramount. Absolutely paramount. So we, we, you, you can't, I mean, there's a lady in my office, who, 29 year old, one of my mentees. We, we talk about a lot of things because I don't hide my, my, my faith. So we talk about church. She lives in mainland, so she goes to a big church in mainland, uh, one of the Pentecostal churches. And we talk about so many things. War, if you want to be a mentee, we talk about Christianity and all that. So she met this guy. And the guy is 34 years old. He read banking and finance. Um, he does petty business here and there. And I don't have an issue with that, doing business and all that. I don't have an issue. But he, he tells this lady, this lady is well put together, 29 does a great job, has I mean, fantastic job. I mean, she can take care of herself, take care of any man as well, but that's wrong. So this guy comes around, asking her out, and the guy said, you know what, I'm going to be the CBN governor of this country one day. Don't worry. I'm going to be the CBN governor. The guy had never worked in a bank for one day. That's just a spy in the sky. When a guy comes around like that, set them straight. I told her, go tell him he's dreaming and the dream can't come to pass. He has never worked for one day. And it's not, it's not, it's not. So how are they going to pick you from the street to be CBN governor? No. So what I'm saying is that there has to be order. There are things that you have to do. There are things that, is, that you have to do before you get into, into um, in, 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 executing your dream. So tell your neighbor, your time is more valuable than your money. Okay, so what's the first thing we talk about? Wake up time. What's the second thing? Orderliness. The third thing we want to talk about is diligence. Proverbs 10.4 and Proverbs 6.11. 10.4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. The second one. Proverbs 6.11. 
our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Bottom line, when you hate diligence, it's about doing things, remaining focused, doing it consistently, just staying there. But it's a bit more than that this morning. We're going to talk a bit more than that. But generally, that's what, that's what, that's what we say. Yeah, and, that, and that's important. You stay there, you grind on it, you do it, you look around. But when you are diligent and you are doing your work, there are two things that comes across. Two things. There is either words of distraction or there's acts of distractions. There are two ways people will distract you from being diligent. Is that they speak a word that is negative or they, 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 they act in a negative way to, 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 to distract you, to stop you, to deflate you. And there has to be responses in both cases. But there are different responses. The first one we're going to look at is Job in chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. So, go to verse 4. I want to make it quick, if you don't mind. Go to verse... Job's sons, go ahead, will take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they will also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. And when these celebrations ended, listen... Sometimes after several days, Job will purify his children. He will get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God. Go ahead. In their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. So you can say that Job was diligent at this. Job's dream was that his family... His dream was that his family would be right in the presence of God at all times. Is that correct? That's why he was doing the sacrifices. Because those days, that's how you bring people back to be right in the presence of God. Because he was rich, everything was fine. But paramount to him, his dream and his goal and his objective was that my family will be right with God at all times. And that is why he was doing that. Now, the enemy came and all that. We know the story. And attacked Job. God allowed enemy to attack Job but without taking his life. Let's go to Job chapter 2, verse 7 to 10. So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with treble boils from head to foot. Job scrapped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, listen, his wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman, should we accept good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Now, Job's way is to forever be right in presence of God. He and his family. Is that correct? But because of hardship, his, his wife came and said and, 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 and told him that, don't be right with God anymore. Do that. That's words of distraction. Words of distraction discouragement. How did Job do it? Job countered it. So if anybody says anything negative to your dreams, to your executing your dreams, to your objective, what do you do? You counter it. Every word of negative to your dream should be countered. So there are two ways. Words of, words of distraction, you counter words of distraction. The second thing we are going to look at is act of distraction. And that's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Go to, um, make it fast to about 15. Go to verse 15. Go to, keep going. Go to verse 17. 
chapter 2, 17. Okay, so one day Jesse said to David, Jesse said to David, take this bucket of root grain and then ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. Keep going. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the ship with another shepherd and set out early in the next morning with the gift as Jesse has directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israel army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelites and the Philistines forces stood facing each other and army, army against army. And David left his team with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout the usual turn to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defile Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked a soldier standing nearby, listen, what will a man get for killing this Philistine, ending the defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine, anyway, that is allowed to defile the armies of the king, living God? And this man gave David the same reply. They said, yes, this is the reward. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, listen, heard David talking to the man, he was angry. He was angry. And he said, what are you doing around here anyway? He demanded, what about those fish sheep you are supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. We just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. Next verse. Go to the next one. 30. Come on, Simon. Anyway, the Bible went further to say that what David did was David turned away from his brother and went to the other people and asked the same question. So when people come to you with acts of distraction, what do you do? You ignore them. You turn away and face your own diligently. So there's acts of distraction and there's words of distraction. Words of distraction, you counter. Acts of, because David's brother went to him angrily and he did what? He turned away. If you read that thing further, he turned away to the other people and continued asking the same question to pursue the way he's going to execute his dream. He wanted to understand. So when people come to you in order to, to distract you, you either counter it by word of mouth or you ignore their action. That's the way you do. So that's diligence. When you are diligent at, your, at whatever you want to execute your dream, people will come, but that's the way you counter them. So what's the first thing we do? We get away. Come on, people. What's the first thing we do? What's the second thing? Or darliness. And what's the third thing? Diligence. I'm talking about diligence. I'll share a short story. Um... About four or five months ago, my wife and I wanted to go and visit my daughter in school, in Abakuta, in a boarding house. And two, just an hour or two before we got there, she was crying uncontrollably. She, she couldn't control herself. She was wailing. So we got there. We asked, what was the issue? Apparently, what happened was that they have, um, they, they, 
They, they sent us a note about a week before that they were having some gala and exhibition in the Muson Center. But we didn't really understand it, so my wife and I didn't go. We didn't think it was important. But some of the students were going to be there. So apparently what happened was that they gave them an assignment in school. Now, my, my, my daughter is science-based. She's, she's very good at the sciences. So, but they gave them a wet, a wet paint assignment for them to paint something, a wet paint assignment in school. And they gave them three weeks to do it. And when they finished, um, they gave the th- year 9, year 10, and year 11. They were three of them, three years where they gave them the assignment. So when they finished, they took the best three and they went to that exhibition and they auctioned them. So what happened was that apparently without her knowledge and without us knowing, my daughter's painting was the best of them all and a parent bought it for 80,000 naira. So ah, so was the best, and it was it was auctioned for eighty thousand. But she didn't know. So the day we went to school, she went to the art room just to go check so that she can show us that this is what she painted, and she discovered that it has been sold. So she was wailing, she was crying, she was uncontrollable. So when we got to school, so we eventually had to find the person that bought it and said, okay, send us a picture. And, you know, we told my daughter that don't worry, it shows that they appreciate, your work is appreciated. But that's not where I'm going. Where I'm going about diligence is I ask her a question. Because pastor says that you need to learn from everybody. She's my daughter, so 14-year-old, but I asked her a question. I said, how did you do this painting that you were the best? And, you know, he said, Dad, you know what I did? Every day, once they gave us the assignment, every day when I leave school at 2.45, I'll go to the art room and spend one hour or sometimes one of us, and I'll go back to the hostel. That I did that constantly for two weeks, and I was done. And mine was ready while others were rushing. That's diligence and orderliness at place in executing your dream. And that's what a child did, and ours was the best. So this morning, there has to be timing, there has to be orderliness, and you have to be diligent about it. She was diligent at what she, of, 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 I mean, working on that paint. And honestly, I respect her. She plans her time really well. She's extremely diligent. So, brethren, you need to be diligent in executing your dream. Tell your neighbor, you need to be diligent. Finally, the other thing we're looking at is what's, I mean, the other thing we're looking at, not finally, is what's God saying? When you're executing your dreams, there will be bumps in the road. There will be bumps in the road. But you need to ask yourself, what's God saying? The Bible says in Lamentation 3.37 that who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? That's what the Bible says. So, so you need to listen to the word of God. What's God saying? When there are bumps in the road, when you are executing your dream, you need to be in tune with God. What man says does not matter. It's what God says that is final. So what's God saying? Not listen to the word of men, but what's God saying? In executing your dream, because there will be issues. There will be, I mean, some things will not go as planned, things will not go well, but you need to be in tune with heaven, with this is what God is saying. It's extremely important. One of those things is if you look at First Samuel, I mean, I said First Samuel is in John 11 when Lazarus died. God Almighty, which is Jesus Christ, we're not going to read it, it's a long passage, but we can read it at home. They, say, they told Jesus that Lazarus is dead. Is that correct? What did Jesus say? Lazarus is sleeping. So you need to see it, your dreams, execution, in the way that God sees it. Men can see Lazarus as dead, but Jesus saw Lazarus as what? As sleeping. And Lazarus 
became awake. So in your dream, you need to understand what's God saying. And also, what's God saying, you need to recognize progress and not perfection. You need to recognize progress and not perfection. Philippians 3, I think it's 3, 12, yeah. It says that, not that I have already obtained all this or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That means I have not perfected my dreams. But having said that, but one thing I do is forgetting what is behind me. I'm going forward. I recognize the progress of what I've done. I'm moving forward towards what is ahead. And I press on towards the goal to win the prize. So you need to recognize progress, not perfection. You are taking a little step. You are moving forward. That progress needs to be, to be recognized and it needs to be appreciated. I'll share a story, a, a, a very, a very um, how am I going to say it? It touches my heart all the time when I, when I remember this story. It touches my heart. My daughter, since when she was young, she would say that she wants to be, the career she wants to have is a high-end, science-based career. Very high-end, science-based. About seven years ago, we were living in different parts of the world, and she, she, I mean, this story touches me a lot. So, so we're living in a different part of the world, and they were teaching them in a class, she was about seven, yeah, about seven to eight. They were teaching them clock. And it was words clock, meaning that they would say, they would say, if if Charlie goes to work at quarter to seven, and then he works for thirty minutes, what time did he leave work? You know things like that. And she was struggling with it badly. She was really struggling with it, very badly. In fact, she told me this year one day we were joking, and I didn't remember it. But she told me, and I remembered it, and I remember the the library that we had. She told me that one of the best times that I beat her the most, and that she felt really bad was when she was learning that clock, that one day I just beat her. That what she had even learned, she forgot it, you know, after, after the beating. Because it was frustrating for me, it was frustrating for my wife. In fact, I remember very well, I was on a flight from Jakarta to Lagos during the period when we were living there, and that flight was eight hours to Dubai, another six hours to Lagos. And all that was in my mind was my daughter, why she was struggling with that maths at that point, that clock, well, maths, that's what they call it. And guess what? A Caucasian, an Australian woman who was teaching her, called my wife, that's what the most painful thing, and said, this your daughter is very sharp, she's great, but maths is not her calling, and she will never be good at it. So don't even, don't even bother. Just tailor her around other things. That's devastating for a parent to hear. But those, those people, that's the way they are. They say things the way they think they see it, but that's not the way God sees it. That's not the way God says it. So what's God saying is the question. Yeah, you can clap for God. What's God saying? Seven years, fast forward later. Seven years later. CMM, please bring up that uh, email. I'll read you an email. October 22nd. Another Caucasian. Tanito scored 100% on the Unit 3 test covering functions, which is a particularly challenging test. Although Tanto has done well throughout the year, I'm especially proud of how well she did today. I know that she was telling her, feeling, she wasn't feeling her best. She, was, she had cold, but she still didn't put. She still put forth a real great effort. Great job. I hope you feel better soon. She's leading her class in maths now. Not only that, 
So it's what's God saying. It's not what any man is saying. Not only that, she had a, she's in grade nine. She had people in her grade that she's tutoring. So there'll be a time she'll go and teach them maths. She had people in grade eight that they created for her that she'll go and teach them at her free time, mathematics. Somebody said it seven years ago. So it's not what any human being says when you're executing your dream. It's what God says. This touches my heart a lot. Because the reality has happened to me and my wife. It happened to her family. So today, I mean, she's been celebrated for the same thing somebody said. So what's God saying? That's the question. What's God saying? You need to know what God is saying. And finally on this matter, it's Proverbs 6, chapter 6. Proverbs 6 is, everything in the Bible has a practicality. Everything that is written. Some of them were written based on the, 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 the culture of the Jews at the time. But every other thing has a practicality to it. The Bible says here, go to the ants, you slogan to consider its weight and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provision in summer and gather its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? And a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty will come quickly. Poverty will not come on us in the name of Jesus. What the Bible is saying is that we should look at the ants, and we should go to work. We should get up and execute our dream. CMM, let's play that video. The real ants. Yeah, you can stop it. Can you see? The Bible says it is real. The ants, they made a kill and they were transporting it. They were executing their dream. It's reality. That's what the Bible says. Everything in the Bible is practical. I was looking for, I was going to teach, I teach um, middle-level management in my industry, leadership, technical leadership. That's what I was looking for. I came across this video in in my research. It is true. And guess what? One of the things, put up one of the slides, and I want to explain something. Put up one of the slides, same name. One of the things they did, if you look at this formation, it's called arrowhead formation. You can Google it. When you see airplane, when you see jet fighters, when they are doing um, air show display, you see that the planes, yeah, you, they, they go like your hand like this. It's called arrow, arrowhead formation. Arrowhead formation is from ants. They learned it from ants. That's what God says, that we should go and learn. Yeah, you can clap for God. It's not for me. You can go and learn from, from God. The other thing they did was that while they were arrowhead pushing it away, some said at the side and some said at the back. Because if the ones at the sides were not there, if you push it and the one in front is not moving enough, it will squash. So they had order. That's orderliness. And they were diligent at it. So to execute our dreams, we need to just get up and do the work. You can take it away. So the Jesus that we serve, we need to see sources and execution of our dreams the way he sees it. Jesus does not want people to come to banquet table without food. That is why he blessed the food for the 5,000. Jesus does not like a coin to be lost and not find it. That's why he gave the parable of the lost coin. Jesus does not like a fig tree Without fruits. We know that story. Jesus does not like harvest. Without people. It reaped fruits. Without people harvesting it. So we need to see our execution of our dreams and our life. The way Jesus sees it. In closing this morning. 
that Jesus is alive and is real. In 2006, a gentleman died. He's a, he's, his name is Kaduri. He's a rabbi from Israel. He was born in the 1800s. So he lived across the years before Israel. When there were no... I mean, from 1800, before Israel was formed in 1947. So he's lived across it. He's well revered. And he was gifted with prophecy. He died in 2006. At the age of 108. He was... There were 250,000 people at his funeral in Israel. This man was gifted, but I'm going somewhere. Before he died, he made a lot of prophecies, a lot of them, because somehow God speaks to him. In fact, one of them that he made, you can go and Google it when you get home. Today, Israel doesn't have a government. Today, there's no government. You know why? They had two elections. They had an election in April, and they had an election in September. But they couldn't get a winner. They couldn't get a majority. And the two people that are contesting, their, name starts, their first names are Benjamin. Google it. This man that died in 2006 said it 50 years ago. He said the Messiah will come after Israel is unable to choose a government. And the two people that will be contesting will be called Benjamin. That happened this year. So that is how revered this man was. But that's not where I'm going. You know where I'm going? Before he died in 2006, he, Jesus appeared to him. But because Orthodox Jews don't believe that Christ is the Messiah, they don't. They believe there's a Messiah, but they don't believe Christ is the Messiah. So it's like, his story was like Paul, Saul and Paul of, of those days. But his own, he couldn't, he couldn't stand up to his people because it would cause a lot of issues. So what he did was that when Jesus appeared to him, he took a note. He wrote the note and said, um, I have seen the Messiah. His name is Jesus and he's coming back. It's Jesus, is the Messiah. He said, he kept that note and said that they should not open the note until one year after he died. That's, what he gave, that's the instruction he gave. But he saw that thing well when he was alive, before he died. So to tell you how potent his, his, um, what's it called? His, um, his prophecies are, as I said, the one he said 50 years ago happened this year. Go home and see. Israel doesn't have a government. They're just managing. Two people contested twice, April and September. They didn't find a winner. Their two names are Benjamin. Bottom line, this man found Jesus. But he couldn't stand his people. He was afraid of the backlash. It was after he died that they opened the notes. And of course, it still caused a lot of backlash. In fact, they begin to misinterpret it because it's written in Hebrew. So what am I saying this morning? Bow down our heads to God that the Jesus we're talking about is real and is closer more than ever before. And while we can apply the principle of Jesus, the person of Jesus is as important as well. So I'm going to encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to please raise up your hand and we'll pray together. You're not coming out. A card will be given to you. I want to accept Lord Jesus as my Savior this morning. You have to raise up your hand. You raise it really well so that ushers can see you. They will give you a card. You are not coming to the front. You are just going to... I can see you, my brother. God bless you. I can see you. God bless you. I can see you, my brother. God bless you. I want to accept this Lord Jesus as my Savior. I can see you. God bless you. I can see you, my brother. God bless you. 
and you begin to tell God that you have come to surrender to him, only him alone you have come to surrender. I can see you, my brother. God bless you. That only him you have come to surrender to, not any man. I said, I said, Lord, I've come to realm to you. Accept me and, and he will forgive you all your sins. And your life will never be the same. Every dream that you have dreamt, he will give you strength to execute in the name of Jesus. Father, we commit these ones into your hand because we know they have come to you and only you. Lord, accept them and cleanse of their sin in the name of Jesus. Lord, help them to execute their dreams. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord.